You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 360 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined this week by Fosma Moon. Hey, Foz. Hey, how's it going? Good. Seth is uh, incommunicado because he is in Dubai uh, at the Dubai Air Show. He's having more fun than we are. He is. It looks much sunnier there than here. Yes, it's cold and miserable here now. <laughs> winter is winter is here. It's not even coming anymore. It's it's just here. Yeah, this whole daylight savings time thing. <laughs> you, you don't like it getting dark at four o'clock? Come on. No, no, no. I really, really <laughs> don't. Um, so we've got. I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit of a shorter show today. Um, I, and we're all, we're not going to do a bonus topic this week just because without Seth and a lot of the news is actually happening where Seth is, and I think he's going to come to us with some content next week uh, directly from the air show. So uh, to get started, though, I wanted to uh, have some follow up from a Patreon listener, uh, Lee, who has actually been a Patreon subscriber for a long time, uh, and he he posited this as we were talking about. Some of the uh, high J configs on United, uh, and he, his questions really around the A220, and you know, do we think that an all J carrier, a la BA baby bus uh, transatlantic thing, could happen using the A220, um, especially like on something like Trans Gods, right? Like his, his suggestion would be Delta could literally blanket LA with JFK, Burbank, Long Beach, uh, SNA, uh, and. You know, with these premium transcon products, um, and and you know maybe it's doable, maybe it's not, or they could bring back something like uh, Cincinnati San Diego that just can't fill a seven thirty seven A three twenty anymore. That comes. That comes. Cincinnati San Diego comes and goes. Yeah, but I think his point is is that like it's not a super popular route. Like it is kind of in the winter maybe, but not year round. That's fair. I mean, for transcons. I don't think there's enough premium cabin demand. Well, at the current fare levels, yeah. I don't think it can sustain an all J config um, yeah. across the country, right? When even when we, um, I mean, when you look at United, you know, they've got a couple of wide bodies that run LA and San Francisco, and every seat in the back is full. Yeah. So, I mean, could you supplement that? Yeah, but I think the one thing that we've seen from United over the years, right? If you go back. 15 years ago, 10 years, 11 years ago, maybe, pre-merger, Continental had a bunch of 738 that would fly those routes. United would have a 319 or a 320 mm. once a day. No. Um, you go back to the 90s, United was running six to seven, seven five, seven six twos out of Newark and eight or nine seven six twos out of JFK to each of them. Hmm. Um, but it was always about the back cabin that kept the planes in the air. Yeah. Well, and, and, and he continues, he goes, or to follow up about your point about back cabin economics, is the small all J config a dead idea these days? And the future is the United high J wide body the way forward. Um, he said, funny enough, this reminds me of when uh, Premier United used to have that corporate uh, speak that said every international market we service has to be able to sustain a, a triple seven at least part of the year. Uh, and, th- and that the airlines might focus on premium, but that will always come in these high J wide bodies. And then the 321 LRs will be there for the legacy 757 routes that are thinner. But there isn't a dedicated small all-J case. I mean, I think BA has proven that that is not a successful endeavor, particularly across the Atlantic. Yeah. Right? They've killed the baby bus even with all the convenience of flying into London City. Um, now, you know, was it because of the westbound stop? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But eastbound, you had no stop. And, you know, it did okay. But clearly, like, this, the indicator for me that it wasn't that successful is that you could book it on cheap iFares. 
mm. uh, and connect from Heathrow and do the ground transfer. Normally, when you know when you have something so premium that if it's doing well, you would exclude it from the fair rules. Yeah, yeah, specifically, like you'd call it out. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm kind of mixed on this. Like, I, I could see a, ni- a niche, I should say, uh, like La Compagnie, right, is flying 321s across the Atlantic, uh, and they're expanding. Um, and that's an all J config. Um, I, I think it depends on what you're, again, it comes down to price point, right? I, I don't know that BA could make it work simply at the price that they were at, at the frequencies they were doing, um, at a, at a city. What if they did the same thing, but they like added a flight out of, you know, I don't know, you know, Heathrow or Gatwick, or they did another, I mean, city was convenient, but you connecting was a pain, right? Yeah. But the, the whole point of city was, it wasn't about connections. Yeah. It was all about O and D. Right, if that, can, if that can't sustain it, yeah. Is there anyone across the Atlantic that you think could sustain it? Is there a city pair that you think could sustain it? Uh, if London can't sustain, it, I don't think anything can. Yeah, because La Compagnie is doing Nice and Paris, I think, and maybe something else from Newark. But uh, but you know how many how many of these all business class carriers have we seen over the last ten fifteen years? Right, La Compagnie is probably the survivor of out of all of them. Yeah, they're the only ones, really. I mean, everybody yeah. else. What was the one? Uh, there was a bunch out of Newark, right? Yeah. That had like once a day uh, flights. Um, they were all doing, J. Yeah, they were doing London, and they got way some were doing Stansted. I don't yeah. remember all of them, but yeah. But in the end, right? The they come in with these cheap fares, and they get some attraction. But at the end of the day, they don't survive in the long run because the fares are nice, but you're very limited in your options. Yeah, yeah. Um, and London, you know, the majority of the traffic in out of London the premium traffic is business oriented, right? And the businesses won't be traveling on those one-off carriers. What about the, the other point that Lee makes that, you know, you could blanket someone like Delta, right. Could blanket, uh, LA with, you know, a normally configured a two twenty. let's say maybe, maybe they add a row of business class seats or something. Um, do you think that's something that they would do? Well, their challenge at JFK is slots. Yeah. Right. So they have to be careful what they do at JFK. Um, I mean, they've they've been trying. I think they've been flying on and off Orange County, but not. I think United has had better luck with mm-hmm. uh, Orange County. <clears throat> I mean, in eons ago, when it was still Continental, I remember talking to the station manager at Orange County, and he said that the Newark flights only need to be about thirty-five or so percent full for them to make money. Hmm. And that was a seven thirty seven seven hundred at the time, three of those a day, and it was basically the the high revenue tickets were so heavy on that flight they could send the plane half empty and it would they'd still be making money. Yeah, which I'm sure they liked because they didn't have to fill it up as much. Right. <laughs> I also learned that Orange County has some of the highest landing fees as well. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that you know it definitely impacts uh, you know that'll impact an airline's choice to fly there. Yeah, I just wonder, like, I could see Delta making a play at Burbank, right, because of JetBlue having their two days, two a day to, to JFK. Um, it would kind of, it would be a dig at them. Um, Long Beach, maybe. I mean, JetBlue's kind of abandoned Long Beach, so that's, that's a good market for, for, for them. Uh, I would actually say over Orange County, I mean, Orange County's probably a good play just from what you're saying, like, revenue-wise. But I wonder if Ontario would actually be a better play. Well, I think the question I'd ask you is, where are the people coming from or going to mm. to all these airports? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So <clears throat> you can make an argument for Burbank, for media types, but most of them would – here's the challenge that you're going to have, right? If you start 
putting dropping A two twenties in this all the cities around LA. And LA has lie flat, people are gonna opt for the lie flat. Yeah, true. Especially the media types and the ones that are, you know, that it's in their contract. Right. So. Orange County is an outlier because it's more than you know, it's not that far. But if if you're flying out of Burbank, depending on where you live in the basin, like it could be a crapshoot to go to either one. Yeah. Um Long Beach, I mean, it's only twenty minutes from LAX unless you're in the thick of rush hour. It's not that far. Yeah. True. Uh, and I think that's part of the struggle of why Long Beach hasn't done much better. Well, and that's kind of why I was thinking like Ontario, because Ontario is a lot more convenient for people in in you know the east side of LA. Have you been to the Ontario airport? No, not it is in a long most, time. It is one of the most depressing airports I've ever been to. Why? It, it, it's empty. It's basically very barren inside. Half the terminal has been closed for God knows how many years. Oh, so it's Pittsburgh. Got it. It's worse <laughs> than Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh at least has people. <laughs> But I mean, is it is it that because people don't aren't traveling out of there? I mean, I'm just thinking about traveling out of Ontario. That is that's a trip, right? If you need to go to LAX, that's what an hour, hour and a half. I mean, it could be way more, but depending, you could get from there to Orange County in an hour or maybe less, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, I mean, but you know where I where the A220 probably has some options is Palm Springs. Mm, that's a good point too. Um, yeah. Right. I, the challenge with Ontario is, at the end of the day, there I don't think there is enough demand for passengers. Mm. Right. It's just a, it's just a less frequented destination. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. a lot of those people will, you know, yeah, they're people who live out there, um, but they're not going to be the high revenue people to begin with. So, are you going to really launch new premium type service in there to lure them? Yeah, true, true. Good points. Um, I also didn't realize that that's where Alaska parked a lot of their planes during COVID in oh. Ontario. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't either uh, until I zoomed into the airport and there's like 12 Alaska planes sitting on the, the apron. So, uh. <laughs> and, and the other challenge with Ontario that you just have to remember is sometimes uh, fairly regularly they have wind problems there just coming, oh, really? off, just coming off the mountains because it's at the foot of the mountains, right? Yeah. And so if you go, you can find some videos of particularly UPS planes just flying all over the place coming in for landing. <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> but I think you're right, though. Palm Springs could be an interesting play. Like that's a that's an interesting one. Yeah, but Palm, and you know that's far enough from LA where uh, LA is not really an option at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if if Delta ever gets back to the frequencies that they were at pre-COVID, I could see them doing two twenties even to like Eugene or Portland or you know, and because right, right now they're doing like seven six fours, but they're only doing them two or three times a day. Um, and I could see them adding more frequencies or doing something like crazy, like Bend, like Redmond. Oregon or um, some just stuff like that, like random stuff. Uh, Eureka, California. No, (laughs) that one I'm going to, I'm going to say no to, you know, I could see, you know, St. George, you know, (laughs) something like that. Springfield, Oregon. Yeah. Springfield. There you go. Um, So the next piece of follow-up we have is we, we talked briefly or we talked quite a bit about it actually was the flight attendants and uh, pilots of American being offered extra pay to work. Uh, over the holidays, uh, basically getting a bonus uh, on top of their normal pay uh, to work those days and not trade their trips uh, and not call out sick or, you know, take vacations uh, during those days. Um, it seems like the flight attendants have actually accepted the pay, like the offer, um, but the pilots have rejected it. Um, it's an interesting conundrum. Indeed they have. Well, their whole their whole argument is that they're currently in contract negotiations and they would rather spend the time working on a proposal that is not just a one-off. Okay. Uh, it seems like a weird time to, you know, bargain. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, 
Uh, yeah, I, I I feel like it weakens your position with the uh, with the union or not the union, but with the airline itself. Like it, they kind of view it as you're you're trying to stick it to us. Yeah, but the airline doesn't have a choice. True. Uh, but I mean, that doesn't mean they have to play ball, right? With negotiations later on, they don't. They don't. But but, the, but you know, the bigger challenge here is now, quite possibly, Americans' operations are going to be in shambles over Thanksgiving and over Christmas. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, at the end of the day, the per, the people who ultimately pay are the passengers. Yeah, right. Because AA has a pretty um, restrictive policy as far as endorsing tickets over. They generally don't. And it's this isn't something like where AA is going to say, well, our pilots aren't playing ball, or, or maybe they will. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's part of their game plan. I don't I don't know. I mean, sure, okay. So they come out and say our pilots are the issue; they're not playing ball. Then what? Yeah. Like, like so, what are you going to like? You're, you've got a family of five sitting at a gate waiting to go home. And you're going to tell them our pilots didn't show up to work, and do they care? <laughs> No, I, I don't think they do. But at the, but at, I'm just thinking of it from the perspective of what's Americans like. Okay, they offer them more. I don't know that that's going to get them anything. You know what I mean? Like, so they offer the pilots more to come in. I, I don't know that that guarantees they get anything. Problem is, if you offer the pilots more, then the flight attendants are going to come back and say we want that deal. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like the uh, American is between a rock and a hard place on this one. Ah, uh, what's the old angel saying? No good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, like, hey, we want to give you extra money, and then, here, you know, I, there's another old saying, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Um, so. no, but airline unions have not learned that lesson. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just a, I mean, it's it's crappy for passengers, um, and I don't know that they are going to be able to work this out in the next week and a half, or yeah, less. Yeah, I mean, yeah, by the time this airs, it'll be less than a week. Yeah, so, um and, and speaking of AA, just some new topics, some new stuff uh, came out uh, today. We're recording this on Monday. Uh, AA is actually cutting a bunch of flights out of New York City. Um, I'm going to list it all out really quick, and then we can talk about it. So out of JFK, they're they're cutting uh, Liberia, Costa Rica, uh, Montreal, San Antonio, Texas, San Jose, Costa Rica, Toronto. And then out of LaGuardia, that's, that's a lot more. It's Asheville, North Carolina, Bangor, Maine, Boston, Massachusetts, Charleston, South Carolina, Martha's Vineyard. Myrtle Beach, Nantucket, Orlando, Pensacola, Philadelphia, Portland, Maine, uh, Savannah, Georgia, and Traverse City, Michigan. And a lot of those, it's kind of like a, a, a set of rolling changes. Some of those are in the beginning of the year. Some of those are later in the spring, and there's a few in the summer that they're cutting. Um, that's a lot. I mean, it's 13, I think, total. Um, and I, what do you think about this? I mean, it's, it's kind of wild to me to see so much out of LaGuardia getting cut. Well, I mean... JFK, they've cut their number of destinations by half, it seems like. It's not like they had a lot of destinations they were serving from JFK to begin with. Yeah. Uh, LaGuardia, I, I mean, I'm surprised, but I'm also not surprised. They're, these, they're just continuing to walk away from New York as a whole, and and I think the challenge this will open up is, in their mind, they're probably thinking they can push a lot of this to JetBlue and let them do a lot of the stuff out of the Northeast Alliance, but the DOJ is already sniffing around. Yeah, and this only solidifies the DOJ even more. Yeah, so I mean, the DOJ is saying it's anti-competitive. The, the the partnership between JetBlue and American is is anti-competitive, and by cutting routes, they're essentially saying, yeah, it is anti-competitive. That's, yeah, that's what that's what they're doing. Because I, I don't really see JetBlue picking up Bangor, Maine, or Toronto, or Traverse City. Yeah, or even Philadelphia for that matter. Yeah. Right, uh, I don't. I just don't see them picking up these routes. So these are all like Bangor is a good example. There's only two airlines that fly it um, out of LaGuardia, right? Delta and American. Now you've just cut that by half. Yeah. Um, and United service out of Newark comes and goes depending on how they feel. 
I mean, I, I see what Americans trying to do, right? They're trying to feed the flights from their JetBlue partnership, and they're trying to feed the long haul. That's really what they want to do out of JFK, okay. I think. Whoa. But but I don't think people realize how much of a pain in the ass that is. Like, you're really going to fly JetBlue for the domestic connection into JFK to then connect over to T7, or sorry, T8, and uh, I mean, what a, what a cluster. I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, gouge my eyes out and do that. <laughs> and that's when the air train's working, so. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Liberia, Costa Rica, Montreal, San Antonio, San Jose, Costa Rica, and Toronto, those are probably all destinations that Delta already serves. So why would you pick AA over Delta when you could have a more or less seamless experience at, at a Delta at JFK? Or really, if you're connecting, why the hell would you go through New York to begin with? True, true. I mean, Delta's kind of got JFK on lockdown at this point, I'd say, from a from a hub perspective. No, I mean, JetBlue has a sizable operation there, too, right? You can't discount True. that. The, the AA just keeps giving up more and more of its uh, market share, which is just short-sighted, given that this used to be the home of the company. But, yeah. Um, but, like, you know, you, you talk about long haul, right? So think about LaGuardia, right? Pensacola is long haul out of LaGuardia. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Are they doing that on an E-145? Is that what they were flying that on? I have no idea. I mean, a lot of these were simply, I would say, commuter routes, right? Like Asheville, North Carolina, Bangor, Maine. These are for like the business guys coming in for meetings for the day uh, and then flying home that evening or staying, you know, coming going home the next day. I uh, would not say that Bangor is that. Or no, Ash, I would say Asheville, uh, Savannah, uh, you know. That, those kind of places, Charleston. Yeah, but it seems odd to me to to kill those routes. And but but you have knowing to that a lot of these cities that you're naming, LaGuardia is actually a connection point, mm. right? Think it's, about like you're in Nashville and you need to go to Boston. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, what do you? How do you get there? Yeah, but that's what's surprising about it. Like JetBlue's not going to pick that up. No, and uh, I mean it's short sighted. It's going to cut the. It's going to cut uh, competition down even more. Which I don't think AA cares. Well, they'll care when the DOJ cares. New York is is AA's Cleveland. <laughs> Which is amazing, right? Because Cleveland's Cleveland. Cleveland ain't New York. <laughs> no offense to Clevelanders, but uh, just saying. It's just like Portland's no New York. So, Yeah. yeah. New York is the merged Americans Cleveland or Memphis, depending on how you want to look at it. So, okay. So does this does this give – I mean, does American want to move more traffic into Philadelphia or, you know, have more long haul flights out of Philadelphia? Are they looking at Philly as their northeast hub? I mean, I can't imagine them. They've said that before, but I don't think Philly can handle that much more traffic. Well, and are they really going to give up T8? Like, it's such a – I mean, it's not a great terminal, but it's better than some of the others. Well, I like, think what they're doing is they're just going to let BA move in there at some point. Yeah. BA will take up, you know, eight gates. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're, what, what, what's this, what I believe is the future of T8 is that it will just be One World. Yeah. Right? They've already been consolidating a number of the One World carriers in there as they trim more and more of these flights. The ones that aren't there can move in. Yeah. So Finnair, they'll put uh, Iberia, et cetera, over there. Um, I mean, you remember the pre-merger United joke, right? That all the domestic flights would be express and only United would only fight international. <laughs> I mean, America's making it come true. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. They're they're just going to get to a point where they're they're not going to want to fly domestic at LaGuardia. They'll let or New York. They'll let other people do it, and they'll fly a handful of long haul routes. 
Yeah, yeah. And at some it's, point, they'll probably just hand London over to BA altogether and exit the market, move those planes somewhere else. <laughs> that's hard to that's hard to imagine, but yeah. but if you look at the number of flights they have now versus what they what they had right before the start of the pandemic versus what they had six seven years ago, yeah, it was a fraction. True. So, I mean, what does this do with LaGuardia? Right, it their amount of gates they have they have a large amount of gates at LaGuardia. Um, they now are, are they giving up the gates and the slots like in this type of thing is that how it works my guess is they're handing them over to their intent is to hand over to JetBlue. i really hope the dot takes them back oh really and then re- redistributes them yep maybe we'll get lucky and they'll move the per- remove the uh, perimeter rule no <laughs> dang it transcon to laguardia would be amazing if they remove the perimeter rule it kills jfk that's fine <laughs> I'm okay with that. It kills JFK and then makes the ground delays at LaGuardia make Newark look like a field day. (laughs) Oh, man. So let's talk about some other rumors because there's other rumors going around. So there was a Twitter post uh, by a a Brit, Sean, who he monitors uh, basically schedules and uh, uh, slot requests and things. And he found an interesting BA uh, request a BA entry uh, stating that they're going to start London Heathrow to Indianapolis, Indiana. That's random. Is it though? I mean, Delta started Indianapolis, Paris. Yeah, but Delta has like a mini hub at Indianapolis. Do they though? Yeah. The Northwest, no. used, to, Northwest used to. Yeah, but I, that's kind of dead. I mean, that's not like Delta's not flying tons of flights to Indianapolis. Especially when you've got Detroit right there. Like, yeah, but I, I, but here's the difference. Indianapolis, Paris was on a 752, wasn't it? It was a 76, I believe. Oh, was it a 76? Yeah, Pittsburgh was a 752. But the BA doesn't have anything that small. Yeah, it'll be a 788 probably. Yeah. Is it too- the baby bus is coming back. Yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> if, it, if they can make it work, great. I just don't know if the demand is there. I, I wonder if there's like an incentive from Indianapolis – Right, like from the airport. I'm sure there was one for Delta to start the Paris flight. Um, I'm sure they're giving BA some kind of discount or bonus for flying this. Um, so maybe they don't have to fill the plane, and that's how they're viewing it, and they need to utilize the 788. I mean, so, you know, there's often the airport authorities give out these incentives and stuff, but I would counter that with if the if the real demand isn't there, is it actually a good use of public funds to incentivize these airlines to come in run the flight for as long as they get their funds. Yeah. Right. I see what you're saying. I, I I wonder if it's more of a, look, we don't, maybe it's not O&D traffic, right? It's not originating traffic. It is connections in London that they're selling on this. I, I could see that. But again, I don't really see Indianapolis being a huge destination from beyond London. Um. And maybe not. I, maybe it's maybe it's focused on the people leaving Indianapolis. But okay, so you want to connect in London versus just connect somewhere nearby and then get to your destination? Yeah, true. Uh, that's fair. Uh, I mean, I think Indianapolis for people though is an, is a convenient airport. Um, I, I think there's been a large amount of people move to the Midwest from more expensive areas of the country during the pandemic. No, no, um, I'm not arguing that at all. But say you're going to say Nice, right? Yeah. You could fly. Indianapolis Heathrow Nice, or you could fly Indianapolis JFK Nice, or Indianapolis Newark Nice. True, right? Um, but it's got to be priced right too. Fair, right? And so, are, but so are, are you saying they're just going to have to undercut the market just to fill the plane? I don't know about that. I mean, Indianapolis isn't a small city. Um, m- maybe they can undercut 
you know, a lot of people from Indianapolis go to Chicago or Detroit. Maybe they just that's the two markets that they're looking at undercutting. But you have 180 people going to Detroit or Chicago connecting to Europe. A, a day, maybe not. But maybe again, this is where the incentives come in. I don't. I don't think it makes a ton of sense. I mean, it is a random. It's a random route. Um, it. I, I don't truly get it. Um, compared to say, like I got. I understood BA's move to Raleigh. Like I understood the flight there. But at the same time, they they fly. I mean, they're, they're going to bring back Portland. That's the other rumor. Portland nonstop to London. They're going to bring back Pittsburgh. They're going to bring back Calgary. So they clearly need to use the 787s. Well, Calgary has, has been a market. I mean, Air Canada flies it as well, right? But there's remember there's a lot of oil traffic going to Calgary. Yeah, true. So the, that there's a business reason for the Calgary flights. Uh, Pittsburgh, it, it could be very well driven by um, the Bayer spinoff. I'm blanking on the name, but there's a large Bayer campus right outside of the airport. If they spun it off into some other company, but there's a fair bit of European back and forth. Yeah. And to be fair, BA's 788s, 788s are only 100 and looks like 141 seats. So, so, I mean, I guess the economics are there, especially if you can sell the premium economy and business class cabins full. I mean, if they can make it work, great. But it's like Charleston. Did Charleston really work? Yeah. Yeah. Or was that fueled by Boeing? Who knows? Right. Even if it's fueled by Boeing, how many people are coming into Charleston to go to Boeing a day? Yeah, um, or, or three, not, not not 140s worth. Yeah, or three days a week. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's I think it's interesting. Uh, definitely on the on the map of you know if we were going to pick a dartboard of where BA is going to fly next, I wouldn't have picked Indianapolis. Um, I think the problem that BA is having is they don't know to, what to do with their 788s. Yeah, I think that's the real issue. Yeah, I mean, before long they'll be flying to Manchester, New Hampshire. <laughs> uh, you know, do they fly to San Jose? Didn't they have a flight? Yep. At one time, it was a seven eight nine. Yeah, so they're able to fill that. Out. I'm, I'm surprised they don't do anything in the L.A. area that's not, uh, you know, LAX. But where would where would you fly? The only other option is uh, Ontario. The others yeah. are domestic. Yeah, they can't they can't handle it. Yeah, they can't hire handle a wide body like that. Yeah, interesting. I don't know. I mean, where would you if you had a dartboard? Where would you put the next BA flight? San Antonio. That I could see, actually. I mean, they started Austin. San Antonio or Jacksonville. Jacksonville. That's a little random. They used to have a call center in Jacksonville. (laughs) So now we're going to fly there. Like, not only do we answer your calls, we pick you up. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, like, what other cities of that tier are left, right? Yeah, not many. No. I mean, they do Baltimore already. You've got Raleigh and Charlotte covered. You've got Charleston covered. Like, I'm just going down the cities, like. Right, you along the East Coast, and you're down to Jacksonville. Sure. You go a little further in. They already do Nashville. They don't do Memphis. I can't see Memphis though. I, I don't either. I can't either. But did you see Indiana and Indianapolis? No. Okay. Do they fly? Do they fly Detroit? They do. Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, I could see. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a it's it's an interesting conundrum. Right, I mean, they've hit most of the mid-tier cities uh, in the United States, except for Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, I I could kind of see Albuquerque, maybe. Um, and the only reason being just vacation, like you know, sun chasers uh, from from you know England, really. But even that, I think, is a stretch. Tucson. Okay, yeah, that's realistic. 
far enough away from Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll start service to Honolulu at some point. With an, with an half empty 788, you know, anything's possible. Well, they can do it with the 789. <laughs> um, so the other thing that's, that's going on is that people are kind of reading into this. There was an email that went out mm, a week or two ago from Alaska. And Alaska kind of stated that, hey, look, look for uh, some future promos. Uh, one being that we think the 50% bonus on, on elite miles is going to extend in next year. Um, and that they're going to, they're planning on extending status until April of 2022 for people who haven't requalified. Um, and there's a rumor, I mean, someone, someone's kind of taking the, the, the words out of context and saying that, that this means there's going to be a challenge to keep status, uh, between January and April of 2022 for Alaska. I think that's an interesting, it's interesting. I think Alaska's struggled with business travel not returning the way they thought it would. Um, I wonder what United and Delta are going to do because theirs was more of a challenge for this year. Get it done. Uh, and United specifically was kind of like, this is your chance. And that was it. Like they haven't extended anything. Um, so what do you think? I mean, having been through United airports in the last six they're, months, they're pretty full, especially yeah, Denver. There's, there's no reason they need to do anything. Yeah. And, you know, I've long been a proponent of, like, reward the people who are actually in the seats, not the people who have been sitting home for the last 18 months. But to be fair, Seattle's full, too. And I'm not talking about the Delta gates. I'm talking about the Alaska gates. But is it all leisure travel? Isn't it always from the West Coast? Is there there a difference? Is that what what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's my my sarcasm coming out. Well, I mean, I think it was you who was saying, right? It's all these families that are just traveling nonstop. Yeah. Is it still that, or is it business travel? I mean, I've sat next to some people that are traveling for work. Not a lot. Um, a lot of people are traveling for fun. So, I mean, to your point, you know, maybe it's just a different, it's different markets. But then again, I mean, even United's flights, I feel like, are full of mostly leisure travelers. I mean, I guess it depends on where you're going. Because honestly, the stuff I've seen, it's not. It has not been like that. But but you're mostly going to the West Coast. You're mostly going to like L.A. right and and San Francisco. No, I mean I've been, I've gone to let's see where I've gone. I've gone to Atlanta. I've gone to Houston. I've gone to Dallas. Okay, you got to name somewhere that's not in the South because you know COVID doesn't exist there anymore. So just saying, L.A. San Diego. Yeah, I mean L.A. Like I I, I could see the L.A. stuff. I've going in and out of L.A. I've seen more business travelers than I expected. Uh, yeah, but. I'm just I'm surprised. I'm I'm actually surprised Alaska is even doing this. Honestly, I, I'm pleasantly surprised. I should say. So, I mean, I think what's happening to Alaska is there's a couple of things that are culminating. Right? They, you know, and I'm sure people are going to hate mail us for this, but they've gone to becoming a tier two carrier. Mm. Right? They don't really have any sort of premium product, especially in the markets that demand premium products at this point. Yeah. Right, and they've always. Um, their fares have always been all over the place, right? There's very little consistency in the way they price some things. Yep. And I think those, the, these are things that are catching up with them and they're going to have to need, they're going to need to address those moving to move forward. Right. Because clearly the market dynamics have changed a lot. And I think your pricing point is spot on. Like, I feel like their pricing is um, like kind of like witchcraft a little bit. Like it's, it seems fairly random how things are priced when compared to the, uh, competition, right? Like if you look, if you take them and you compare them to a Delta fare, they're usually much more expensive um, and, and not even close. Well, right. and, and that's because it's just their fare rules are so broken that they don't do a, a lot of stuff that they show as connections are not really connections. They're end on end fares. 
Yeah. And so you're really buying two different fares that just happen to be on the same ticket. And so you're like, you know, say Newark to San Diego, I'm buying a ticket from Newark to Seattle and then a ticket from Seattle to San Diego. Yeah. And, you know, when everyone else will sell you a connection cheaper often than the nonstop, yeah. you, you've suddenly put yourself at a disadvantage. Yep, they're charging. They're charging you extra to take the connection. Almost, yeah. it's, um, it's it's funny because like they, you know, they really want to be the Seattle carrier, and this uh, idea of people connecting, I, I don't even know that they like it. Like, I, I feel like it's not the system isn't built for it. Like, just everything they're doing, um, uh, even their partnership with American at times, I wonder how much how well thought out it is because you'll price something on American and it'll be. It, you know, it, it'll be an option that comes up and it'll be four times more expensive than you just go to AA.com and price it there. And that's it's because they're pricing it as a full Y fare, like a full, you know, fundable economy ticket on American. Um, and I would think their integration would be better than that, right? Like they should have visibility into Americans' actual availability. They both uh, use Saber for bloody sake. I know. I know. So. But I mean, if you remember way back when, Continental had this problem with the nonstops versus the connections. True. And it took a lot of lobbying from the community for them to understand what the hell we were talking about. But when someone finally got it, they got it and fixed it. Yeah. Yeah. No, good points. Um, so tell me about the uh, old continental credit card dying. They're finally killing it. Did you get a notice that, you know, you should tread your card or, or what? They're sending me a new, so I had the, I don't even know what was it called. The presidential, presidential plus, plus? presidential plus, presidential plus card, which was then converted into you could have kept. Then it was converted into the some United Club card, which they I don't think they ever actually offered applications, but it was or they briefly offered applications. But the nice thing was it was a three ninety five annual fee, yeah. So it was cheaper than the current card. Uh, and the other nice thing that I liked was it was a Mastercard because pretty much all my other cards are Visas, and I don't really have many Mastercards. And I guess about a month ago. They uh, sent me a letter saying we're gonna we're getting rid of this card. We're sending a new one, and we're converting it to this other the infinite card. I think so. Now the fee's gone up, mm-hmm. and it goes from being a Mastercard to a Visa. See, so this card, I remember when they did the conversion over, and I don't know how, but we somehow got opted. I got opted in to to switch to the newer United, you know, uh, United well, Club card. I can tell you how. So you could have kept the original original presidential card, which was not being offered, but you could have kept it. But the advantage to moving to the um, infinite card was you got better earnings because I think mm. it's 1.5. I don't know that that would have driven me, though. I don't know why I switched at the time because I don't even know that I did. I think that he sent me a new card and they're like, this is your new card. <laughs> but when they converted you, they let you keep the option of a MasterCard or a Visa. But now they've taken that away. Uh, I gotcha. Okay. So now you're just, you got a Visa again. I got another Visa in the wallet. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, last topic, and then we'll wrap this up. Um, Polaris lounges are going to start opening up. United's Polaris lounges. Um, Newark will open before Thanksgiving. Houston and Chicago by the end of the year. And uh, LA and San Francisco early next year. No exact timeline. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, Newark being first doesn't surprise me. Um, Newark second though. Dulles is open. Yeah, true, true. But Newark being the first old club to reopen doesn't surprise me just no. because of transatlantic traffic. I'm surprised that Dulles opened before Newark. Well, it's because they wanted to show it off, right? You could still show it off. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what flights are running out of Dulles right now that would justify Polaris. Frankfurt. Maybe a London flight. Frankfurt, London. They might be running Paris. I can't remember. Uh yeah, Munich. I know they're running Munich. Okay. So there's a few. 
Not a ton, but there's a few. So it's just surprising. But I, I, and I'm surprised that Houston was closed as long as it was. But well, why though? I mean, they're not running a ton out of there either. London, that's it. I mean, some South America stuff. Yeah, but, but I thought the Brazil flights were still right. The Brazil flights are still there. Yeah, but I mean, they're empty. Fair. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Lima's still running. Santiago's still running, but they're not very full. I've kind of looked at them just because the fares have been okay lately. But I don't yeah. think anything's been that full. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, but all this to say, I mean, Americans kind of laid out an exact set of dates, right, of when their clubs are going to reopen. So um, I think. That's great. But they won't have flights to, yeah. you know, flights it's anymore, but they'll have clubs. So great. True. I think I'd opt for the flights over the clubs personally. <laughs> can, I, can I actually get to where I'm going? <laughs> I really don't want to spend all day in the club. Thank you very much. Yeah. So JFK reopened flagship first dining in September. Uh, Los Angeles will open sometime this fall. Uh, DFW flagship will reopen sometime this fall. And Chicago flagship will reopen sometime this fall. So, yeah. Interesting. A lot of a lot of interesting things happening. All this while Europe is reopening and kind of closing at the same time. So, and Delta still doesn't have a premium lounge. Yeah, and they still don't serve. I mean, hot food on most of their flights. Ugh. No, I'm saying I'm saying because of COVID, like they still haven't gone back to like serving meals. Uh, who Delta or everyone? Delta. Oh, I, I think it's less about COVID and just a way to save money. Yeah, well, true. You can just blame it on COVID. You blame everything on COVID these days. Yeah, exactly. Um, anything else you want to talk, talk about? I think that's all I got, my friend. Yeah. So to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, leave us a comment. Uh, you know, if you're like Lee and you want to have us talk about a topic, leave us a long post. Um, if you're not a Patreon subscriber and you want to become one, you can you can do that. We'd, we'd love to have you support us. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Take care. <laughs>